DRPG exclusive. You're listening to Creative Comms World. The industry's one-of-a-kind radio experience. Hello and welcome to the Creative Comms World podcast with me, your host as always, Luke Bartlett. This podcast is the number one place for insights from the industry's most creative minds. In this episode, I sit down with DRPG's Director of Media, the one, the only Ben Wallace, to talk all things inspirational design, supporting new and local talent, and of course, being passionate about the things you do. It's a fantastic episode and one you definitely don't want to miss. Ben, thank you so much for joining me in the hot seat. You're welcome. Now, you've been at DRPG for more than 20 years. <laughs> uh, in that time, experienced a lot. But your day one passion is actually design. You've got a design background. Yeah. Can you yeah. tell me more about that? Yeah, it kind of started at school, I guess, when you sort of, you know, the, the lessons that you enjoy. For me, it was it was art and design. And then that steered me to pursue that passion through college where I did uh, product design. And then at university, I followed on that through to a degree in product and, and, and furniture design. So I've just always had that sort of passion for design, graphics, architecture, anything connected to design, really. It's, uh, it's always held my sort of interest and it's the thing that sort of excited me more than any of the other lessons at work, let's put it that way, at school. Was there a specific teacher then that really inspired you? Uh, I'd hate to say, uh, no, no, not necessarily. No, it was just the subject I enjoyed more. It was, um, it was the topic I enjoyed more than any other. And I always enjoyed creating nice things uh, and making things look better. That sort of art of sort of actually, you know, if you've got these colors and these pieces, well, actually they can look better in this way. And it was that, that sort of, that held my attention really. So yeah, just always had a passion for design right from the start. But like I say, not just in one area. I'd always been interested in sort of, I'd, I'd always been fascinated by nice architecture or nice product design, graphic design in magazines and, and sort of articles and such. So yeah, it's always been there. So like the aesthetic of things. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Would, you, would you say you're a details man then? Yeah, unfortunately I am. I think there's a level of sort of, uh, there's an absolute high level of attention to detail I've got. Yeah, yeah. Things have to be in the right place. I feel you on that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> was there any one piece of uh, design that you can sort of trace back to, uh, you know, having inspired you in the first instance? Uh, I think more so at college and, and, and definitely through university, when you start to study other designers and, and architects and, and sort of artists, one stuck out for me, Philip Stark, you may have heard of Philip Stark as a designer. He's basically a product designer, but he's also designed architecture as well, you know, um, buildings and products such as I had a Philip Stark toothbrush as daft as it sounds because he designed beautiful things. He he used, you know, fascinating, beautiful shapes and created nice things. Everything, like I say, from toothbrushes to kettles. The the, the famous one was the, the lemon juicer. I don't know if you've seen the, the Philip Stark lemon juicer. But he did, he made things beautiful. Even if they were the most mundane, everyday objects, they were something that you wanted out on show. And I remember that inspiring me, thinking, well, actually, what a talent that someone could make something so perhaps every day feel so, so beautiful and so sort of um, uh, beautiful and, and attractive and sort of stylish that you wanted it on show. When I was young, I was reading a magazine. There was a beautiful picture of a, well, it was a picture of a beautiful villa overlooking a, a lake. And it turned out to be a Gianni Versace's villa overlooking Lake Como. And what, what struck me was I was looking at the villa, but then there was a cut, a circle. There was a picture of a piece of dowel a couple of inches long. And I thought, well, how's that? Like, you got this amazing picture of this villa and a boat on the lake. Home, and there's this picture of a piece of dial. And when I read it, 
It was the piece of dowel that Gianni Versace used to measure how far his hangers were apart in his wardrobe. And my reaction to that was, that's clever, because I just do it by eye. <laughs> so I, at that point, I kind of thought, God, I'm a bit weird, I think. <laughs> but in truth, I found that, it, that's you, why not, why not use a piece of dowel? Because in tr- and don't get me wrong, I don't use a piece of dowel, but I eye all my hangers the right length, the right distance from each other. Um, but as, as a young kid at school, I thought that was amazing because that was how to get precision. <laughs> Are you somebody that thinks about creating the right space then and having nice things around, sort of creating that environment? I think I need it. I, I, as a designer, I'm one of those I'm one of those people who perhaps I'm at my best when things are organised around me cr- properly. So, for instance, if there's a mess around me, do and they're quite important, I'll clear up first. But and that will enable me to get my headspace right. I don't know why it's me. I'm strange, but get my headspace right and and then I'll be at my best and then I can carry out those tasks as, as good as I can. Um, yeah. How did that sort of uh, background lead into your role at DRPG? Uh, I knew of DRPG. I'd done some work experience here across some weekends. And I did some work here and I thoroughly enjoyed the, the sort of the landscape of the work. It, it, was, it was predominantly events at the time and there was sort of some design elements to sort of the graphics that were going on stage and, and even laying graphics onto the stage and stuff like that sets on the, onto the set backdrop and stuff. Um, when I finished uni, after a sort of spell of doing some standard jobs, a job became available here as a multimedia designer. So, of course, I jumped at the opportunity because I knew it was a great business. I, I, I felt like there was a, a good opportunity for, to, for me to use my sort of my, the skills that I'd learned and my passion in design and, and follow that through a sort of, a, you know, a career. You were initially head of digital and then in 2019, I believe, you, you moved over to director of media. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition? I think it was the sort of aspirations to bring the teams closer together. You know, naturally, there is an element of those teams working together where you create perhaps a film or a graphic or an animation for use of content on a website. There might be, you know, the, the creation of a digital solution to provide a platform to share film or animation. And, you know, so the aspirations really to, to bring those teams closer together and have more collaboration under one umbrella of media um, so that actually we could get the specialists from each team creatively working alongside each other rather than working on separate elements to a project. Is there any challenges in that? Because obviously you've got teams of people who may work in different ways, have different methods about going you know, going about things. I think I think there's two ways. You could look at them as challenges, but you could also look at them as a sort of education and sharing of knowledge because in truth... There are best practices and processes for all of those areas. And if we're, if we're more knowledgeable about the processes in those areas, then we could work more effectively together. So actually they're learnings, they're sharing of knowledge, and actually they're just bringing people closer together to create less friction and less challenges. So like a knowledge pool, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Mo- motion graphics. I wanted specifically to talk about motion graphics. Obviously there's other forms of graphics here, but a misconception within the industry is that you know, animation is just cartoons and therefore just for children. There's no sort of grown-up-ness about it. How do we sort of challenge those misconceptions? I, enti- I don't believe there is a misconception. I think there's there's some great examples out there of animation and, and what it can achieve. You know, I, I I genuinely don't believe also we, we start a project by saying this is an animation. You know, I think you've got to look at actually the purpose of the goal or the objective of the project and say, well, actually with all these factors, what's the best solution? And it may be a pure animation, it may be a film, it may be a combination of film, which which includes animation or vice versa. But animation can be in so many different forms as well. You know, it can be illustrative, which could, could look more playful and, you know, more childlike, but then you've got sort of 
2D slick, you know, more, more, more motion graphics, three, three-dimensional motion graphics and the After Effects and, and Cinema 4D stuff. And, you know, if you look at what can be achieved now with graphics, it's, it's way beyond where, where I started. I started creating 3D graphics as well for our set visuals to over 20, 25 years ago, you know. So amazing things can be achieved with motion graphics and that team's going from strength to strength. Within that team, we've got somebody who came from a you know a local university. I'm sure that there's there's more than one, but speaking specifically here of Sam Chambers, now I've seen some of the work he's done. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, do we continue to, or rather, how do we continue to support sort of local talent and new talent coming through? So it's that's a really nice point. And actually, Sam's yeah, so Sam's moved on to the design team, but we've got way more than than that you know if we look at the digital team for instance so we've got strong relationships with a number of local education facilities Worcester University being one um, Wolverhampton University and Stourbridge um, University in the past Worcester have taken for example every year the students from their advanced web development team have a visit over to 212 where I do an introduction to DRPG as a business, give them an overview of actually what the business is and the kind of clients that we've got and the kind of projects that we kick out. We then take them on a tour of the studios where they're introduced to some key areas of the teams. Uh, they go through the DigiLab and they see some examples of the work. And then we end up in the cinema where a handful of um, digital team members tell their story, their narrative about their career so far. Um, so you may have someone who's straight from, from from college and joined DRPG and progressed in their role to now be a, perhaps a UX specialist. And then you might have someone else who's perhaps a digital project manager who's worked in three other agencies and, and found themselves here and headed up the digital project management department. And the whole idea, the concept of the day is is to educate and to share career opportunities for those students. Um, and believe it or not, you know, we've had about, I think, nine or ten, ten individuals into the digital team specifically from that course and that university. And it works really well. You know, and I know we've got similar links with graphics and universities there where we've helped do some training sessions and then judge some work. Uh, in sort of in some tasks um, for that area as well. So we, we're a big advocate of bringing and moulding people to this business because there's nothing better than seeing someone join the business young and then progress through and develop a talent and, and, and a career here and then offer them opportunities to progress as well. Is it showing them how, how that's done then so that it is possible and you can take those steps? Yeah, I think, do you know, if we go back, I'm trying to think how long it was ago, it's probably seven or eight years ago they started um, with, a, with a fantastic lecturer at Worcester University called Liz, who I worked with. And she was brilliant. She's not there, unfortunately, at the moment. But what she did is, is that we had a good relationship. She would ring me up in an evening sometimes and say, I've got a fantastic student. Um, they write up your street. And that was a great relationship. And, I, I, you know, when we talked and we developed this idea and, and how this could be really beneficial to the students, my response was, well, I wish I'd have had this when I was at university because I didn't have this opportunity when I was at university. So that's where it came from. Another part of the business that you head up is film. Now that's the most decorated part of the business this year with, uh, I think we're touching uh, 30, 30 awards. Um, I mean, just how proud does that make you? Very. I mean, it's Scott, Scott Horsfield's joined the team just over a year ago now and he's, he heads up the film department and it's, it's great, you know, you know, Past week, you know, we went to Evcom Awards, which is an industry-recognised um, awards for sort of the film sector, and picked up eight, eight awards, including the Grand Prix for for one of our latest films. And it's a fantastic achievement, you know. It's creating opportunities for everyone who worked on that film to be proud of what they've produced, and you know, and and see their work out there in the marketplace for not not 
the obvious areas of just film as well. You know, the, that film in particular has picked up a number of awards for its sound, um, which is a fantastic achievement for those involved. It really is. Do, do you feel a level of responsibility to sort of, you know, play into DRPG's history of film because we started with film? Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing, isn't it? Because the, when I joined, the, well, actually, when I worked here as work experience before I joined the business full-time, the first thing I did was go on a shoot. Um, so you're right, it did start as a film business. Um, and my first day was to go on a shoot. Uh, Which shoot was that? <laughs> It, it was at a veterinary surgery. I, I wasn't the most, it wasn't the most enjoyable day to be honest. I'm a bit squeamish and I love animals, so I wish I hadn't gone. But it was a great experience, but it was in a veterinary surgery. And then following jobs were shoots in some metal foundries and fabrication factories. So that was a great experience again, you know, sort of walking around metal fabrication factories and sort of adhering to all the health and safety sort of um, guidelines at the time. And, you know, actually it's amazing being in a dirty factory and the noisy factory and, 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 you know, that kind of environment where I would, you know, I have worked in the past when I was younger, but wouldn't necessarily want to work, but then creating a film for it, which made it look really productive and really beautiful on screen was amazing. As director of media. Yeah. Is it hard to kind of step back and let departments get on with it? Or is it, is that the easy part of the role? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a difficult question. I, I feel detached from projects. Okay. No, and have done for some time. Um, although, although you sort of never hundred percent lose touch, you, you kind of see what what's going on, what's happening. I think the biggest challenge I've had, if I could be brutally honest, is when when I was director of digital and the team was thirty people, I could talk to nearly everyone every day. Um, media comprises over uh, over one hundred and twenty people now. Media, and I genuinely don't talk to some people, perhaps through the course of a week, and we'll only see them a couple of weeks later. So you know, especially some of you guys that are on shoots and things. So. I think one of the hardest things to accept, to accept and adapt to is the fact that you haven't you haven't got a direct line in or conversation to everyone in the team consistently throughout a week, and I find that difficult. I genuinely find that difficult because I I used to love saying hello to everybody in the digital team throughout the course of a week and finding out you know how they're doing, what they're working on, but also you know, what's going on in their lives and, and having that catch up. It, it's very hard to do that when there's over 100 people in media, 120 people in media. So that's the thing I challenge with most. But I also know that there's people in the teams who deliver far better than I did when I was in those positions as well. And that's, a, that's, that's great for me because in truth, the more success that comes from that team, the more proud I am of what they've achieved. So it's trusting the talent we have, essentially. I can't but not trust them because they're better than I am. So. <laughs> you, you are a creative person, you know, so. yeah. by design, yeah. not to use. <laughs> good, good. Like that. <laughs> there we go. And yeah. perhaps you don't get to flex that. I, I think is what you're saying, right? You don't get to flex that as much. No, I, I, I guess I don't. But I'm not physically designing things myself anymore. You know, when I when I started, I you know, was creating interactive presentations. I'd be designing the interface and you know assets and content and stuff like that. But do I physically do that stuff anymore? No, I don't. But but I get a kick out of seeing other people push the boundaries and be as creative as they can. And I think, I think my job, in all honesty, is to create a platform for our team, for them to be creative. You know, my job, I, I succeed if my my team, our teams, are doing the best work they possibly can because it's my job to give them the best platform and the best environment that they can to work in. So that seems less about self-serving, more about serving the people. Well, yeah, that's my role, yeah. As a, as a sort of leader within this business, um, it's not about me. 
It's about actually creating an environment where other people can flourish, other people can do their better work. I mentioned before, there are people in this business who are far better than I am at design and animation and graphics and, you know, um, and I want to create an environment for them where actually they can do their best work. How do you manage that? Because a lot of leaders, uh, not here, but within the industry as a whole, do tend to have, you know, some some have an ego and some find it hard to let that go and, and sort of want other people to achieve more than them. Um, I don't look at it that way. I don't think I ever have. I, I, I kind of think that actually we're a team and our output is as good as all of us. So, you know, what we all put into it is what we get out of it. And in truth, if we get the right people in the right place doing the right things, again, um, the output will be far better. I know what I'm good at and I know what others are better at than me. And if we can get that in the right place, we're going to achieve much better things. Um, you mentioned they're digital. Yeah. Obviously to take us back, not that I like doing this, but to take us back to the uh, the pandemic. Um, digital were one of the departments that were kept very, very busy indeed. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, just how did the rest of the business sort of help prop them up when they needed it most? I think, I think in all honesty, there they weren't the only ones that were busy. There was there were a lot of people in the business. So I think I think we should all be very proud of how DRPG adapted through the pandemic. We had a head start. We were, were quite an innovative business. We had some great technical solutions in place. We were, you know we were already using the tools to remote work and stuff like that. And in digital, there was already a lot of things in place to allow us to work collaboratively, you know, online. We should be proud because the business pulled together through that pandemic and we delivered some fantastic award-winning virtual events, you know, broadcasts in the background, continued with film, graphics and digital projects as well. So there was a huge effort from everybody there pulling together. Uh, People adapted to different roles, different responsibilities. Was it challenging? Yes. Um, But was it it was challenging in every business through the pandemic, I've no doubt. Um, and I think that what's great to see is that we came out the back of that with a fantastic business still operating, with a great opportunity to move forward with a host of new clients um, and some awards under our belt through that period as well. So challenging times, yes, but rewarding, yeah, totally. Over the course of the last 20 years or so, there must have been some change. Coming up in- every time you say <laughs> it, <isn't laughs> There must have been some change in industry that you've seen. Is there anything that sticks out? Any one period in time where you, th- you thought, well, things are really changing at a rapid pace? I suppose to answer that question, honestly, I don't think there's a time when it triggered, but I think more so that it seems to speed up continually. So I think if you if you gauge the, the speed of change 10 years ago to now, it just feels like things move twice as quick. So the, the speed of change, the speed of sort of, you know, trends with technology and, and sort of communication, especially, it just feels like it's never, it, it never stops. It gets quicker. You know, you know, new technology comes along, innovation. We have to adapt. We have to embrace that technology and use it to our advantage. Um, and so do other businesses. Um, so it just feels like it gets quicker. Either that or I'm getting older. How do, <laughs> how do we stay on top of that? Um, I, I think that's, I think there's only one true way to stay on top of it. And that's that the people in this business need to be passionate about what they do. Because if you love what you do, you automatically, it's in you that you want to stay on top of it. You want to be, you want to know what the new piece of equipment is. You want to know what the competitors are doing. You want to be inspired by stuff that's in front of you. If you're not, it's then engineered and you have to keep up with that stuff. But if you live it and breathe it, 
you'll always be at the forefront. What keeps you passionate then? Well, I think I come back to my love for design there, I guess. Um, And my design connects me through to our products, our solutions, the communication that we deliver for our clients, you know, whether it be digital, whether it be a film, you know, I look at a fantastic piece of animation. Um, I still look at that and can see the design element in it. I can still see that sort of um, creative element that comes through. And, you know, I bring it back to me being, well, actually, if if that's what I'm passionate about, then I'm always up for looking for the next new thing and, you know, that fantastic, you know, piece of work that I wish we'd have done. Is it kind of like you can almost reframe things as well in a design perspective? Creative isn't always about brush to paper. Creative can be about how you approach something as well. Creative could be about... um, technology innovation you use it could be about um you know the delivery method it could be about the way that you collaborate you know so creativity can come in at all stages of a project i was just thinking if that's where your passion comes from then in in being able to sort of bring that creativity to projects that people wouldn't deem as creative yeah if you can if you can i suppose if you can breathe creativity into what you're doing you're going to enjoy it more for the majority of people in this business definitely because create they're driven by creativity and Ben, we're a we're known as a media powerhouse as director of media. There seems to be a lot of different avenues we can now go down, a lot of uh, different paths that we can explore. What does the future hold? I genuinely don't know what the future holds. I don't think anyone does. I think that actually what you've got to do is, as you said, be passionate and be at the forefront of where of where you're at and what you're delivering. Um, we constantly need to stay in touch with technology, innovation, creativity. Um, and we can never take take our eyes off the goals and the objectives. You know, the client, the client is the main priority here. What do they want to achieve? And I think, you know, we've got some fantastic ways, methods, products, solutions to be able to achieve those goals. Um, so we just we just need to we just need to continue to drive that passion and creativity into everything we do, because then we'll achieve success and continue to achieve success. For 2023, what is your main goal at the RPG? Well, we've obviously got to continue to win awards. (laughs) And obviously we want to up that number. And it's not just for the number of the awards. I think think there is something in industry recognition that gives you some feedback that you're you're doing great things. And I think that, that really says something for the team. We want to create more opportunities for the team. I want to see the collaboration, especially across media, but across the whole business, increase. We know that by getting the right people in the right place at the right time can provide a massive advantage to, you know, whatever project you're working on. And I think that can only be improved by greater collaboration across the teams, you know. And the aspirations, like I say, are not just for media to work closer together, but media live campaign. They're all they're all becoming intrinsically, you know, closer closer linked than they ever were. Um, And I think, you know, you've got UX designers working alongside 2D designers, working alongside set designers, working alongside animators and editors and developers. And I think that that can only continue and and achieve greater things. Ben, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creative Comms World and a massive thanks goes out to my guest today, Ben Wallace, for taking the time to sit down with me. Be sure not to miss an episode by following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or check out our social channels in the show notes below. Until then, we'll catch you in the next one.